Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host, for Nick's Nerd. Hey, hey, hey there, friends. It's me, your host, Nick. This is Nick Nerd News. Nick Nerd News? Nick's Nerd News. Jeez, I can't even... I can't even call my show my show today. What what kind of nonsense is that? We are at the end. We are at the end of February, folks. Well, not officially, but, you know, February is over on Sunday. So the next time you hear my sultry voice, it will be March. But anyway, hey, crazy world we're living in, right? <laughs> and it hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. This week we got... It's a lot of video game news this week, surprisingly, and then some crazy shit happened at the Television Critics Association announcements up front, whatever you want to call them today, uh, both from Disney Plus and from Paramount Plus, which is what CBS All Access is turning into. So, got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We don't want to waste any time, but let's get some general housekeeping out of the way. As always, if you're new, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming to listen. If you have been here the whole time, welcome back. I'm happy to have you. As always, like, share, subscribe, click, poke, share, punch, poke, purple. I I don't know, man. It's all different. It's all fun ways. uh, uh, Like us, rate, subscribe, star, thumb up. However you want to do it. However you want to do it is is I'm I'm okay with because it. We're just about everywhere, if, if you ask me, I think. But stupid iHeartRadio is still holding me back. I don't know what is going on with them. But enough of that. Let's get into what you're all here for. And let's start the day with video games. So, like I said at the top of the hour, show, whatever you want to call it. Today we got a lot of video game news dropping. And I mean a lot. BlizzCon was this weekend. And a whole lot of other stuff happened that... that it's been a slow year for games so far, but but we're kicking it today. We're, we are kicking it into high gear today. So, and the first big news is, and, and this really happened today, actually, or within the, uh, yeah, today. This happened today. EA has officially just, they're done with Anthem. And Bioware is done. And to be honest, I kind of forgot they were still working on it, and... At this point, it's probably a good thing because even whatever they were able were were going to be able to do to fix it, it probably would have been too little, too late at that point. And this is from Bioware's Austin studio director Christian Daly. Uh, they put this on their blog today. It says, "Quote: In the spirit of transparency and closure, we wanted to share what we've made the difficult decision to stop our new development on work on Anthem, aka Anthem Next." We will, however, continue to keep the Anthem live service running as it exists today. Since Anthem's launch, the team has been working hard to continually improve the game, releasing multiple updates that brought them within a variety of improvements and introduced new content to play. Towards the end of 2019, we expanded on that effort and started working on a more fundamental restructure of the game. During the development, we've provided updates revealing some of the team's work through blog posts and conversations with you on social media, and it's been inspiring for us to see the positive reactions and feedback. I've been incredibly proud of the work the team has been doing, and excited to see and play each new build of the experience. 2020 was a year unlike any other, 
However, and while we continue to make progress against all our game projects at BioWare, working from home during the pandemic has had an impact on our productivity, and not everything we had planned as a studio before COVID-19 can be accomplished without putting undue stress on our teams. I know this will be disappointing to the community of Anthem players who have been excited to see the improvements been, we've been working on. It's also di- disappointing for the team who are doing brilliant work. And for me personally, Anthem is what brought me to Bioware, and the last two years have been some of the most challenging and rewarding experiences of my career. Game development is hard. Decisions like these are not easy. Moving forward, we need to laser focus our efforts as a studio and strengthen the next Dragon Age and Mass Effect titles while continuing to provide quality updates to Star Wars The Old Republic. To the Anthem community, thank you for your passion and creativity. Your feedback and suggestions most certainly help shape the team's direction, and on a personal note, your kindness and encouragement were much needed last year. End quote. So, you know what? Like I said, I'm kind of happy this is happening, because then they can really focus on Dragon Age and, more importantly, Mass Effect. Like I said, I, I really stopped caring about Anthem. They, they dropped the ball big time on that game. Like, it was, it had so much potential, and it looked so cool when they first announced it. And then it launched with bare bones, with almost nothing in the game, right? And in a world where you have Destiny 2 already out at that point, you you can't, you can't, you know, really compete. And, and it, it's happening, It you can't put out a game like that, a game as a service, with nothing to begin with. And it broken and not working properly and, and shit not functioning. And then say, oh, it's all coming out later. Like, you need to have that stuff ahead of time. And I get game development is hard. I get things take time. But don't announce things that they're not going to be ready. Or don't don't put out a product if it's not going to meet the hype that you set for it, right? And one could totally make that argument about Cyberpunk last year. But when it comes to Anthem, you you have this game that you're setting these lofty goals for. You put out this awesome, like, slice at, at E3 where, oh, look, you can fly like Iron Man pretty much. And it's going to be game as a service and, and like, Destiny-like and uh, uh, looter shooter. And it's like, look at all the, the games that have tried to come since the launch of Destiny. And look how many have dethroned Destiny. How many? Zero. Anthem tried it. The Avengers tried it. Crashed and burned. Uh, what is that game? Godfall is trying it and it's not doing it. I know Outriders is coming tomorrow or coming soon, that Square Enix game, but that's not really a full Destiny-like type game. And these these live service games, they're just... The ones that work are ones that are different, right? Technically, Warzone is a live service game, but it's a a battle royale. Everyone is, uh, or uh, 343 is saying that that Halo Infinite will be a live service type game, but it is still rooted in single player, and it will have multiplayer as normal Halo, and the single player will be single player. It's not, you're not going to be walking around the ring with other Spartans flying around with you like like you would in Destiny with Guardians or Anthem with whatever the fucking things were called. I don't even remember. So it, it it's you either have to have a live service game that still focuses on multiplayer or a live service game that focuses on single player or you have to come out of the gate all fires all cylinders firing. 
like Destiny 2 did because it had stuff baked in from Destiny 1. You can't come out floundering and not a full-fledged game and expect it to do well, right? And that's what happened with Anthem. That's what's happening with, with Avengers, right? The player base evaporated. It just poof, gone. And it's like there was really cool stuff in Anthem. It's just they dropped the ball. They didn't have stuff at launch. They released a broken game. The story was non-existent. Albeit a bit confusing. And you can't do that in today's world. You just can't. Especially with people's short attention spans that they have now. So, you know what? To be honest, goodbye Anthem. I'm not going to miss you. And now I can delete the first game off my hard drive because I'm probably not even going to go back and finish the single player story. I'm just, there's no point, right? But goodbye, Anthem. <laughs> no one's going to, no one's going to miss you. Anyway, uh, did you guys know that it was the 35th anniversary of The Legend of Zelda? Well, if if you're in into gaming and gaming news and nerd culture in general, you probably did know that. But if you ask Nintendo, you probably wouldn't know. Because all they really care about, it looks like at this point, is, you know, Mario's 35th anniversary. So, I like, The Legend of Zelda is having its 35th anniversary. It's the second biggest franchise at Nintendo. Well, maybe it's the third at this point. You know, Pokemon's still chugging along and might be more popular than Mario nowadays. Who knows? That's a that's an unfounded statement. Don't don't quote me on that. But but it's like why are, why are we not celebrating Link and Zelda just like we're celebrating Mario, huh? Why why is why is he getting shoved to the side? And I and I don't know if it's because Legend of Zelda has never been as popular as Mario maybe, but it's odd that Nintendo is is treating it like it doesn't exist right now, which is kind of funny. Granted they probably did not want to overshadow the 25th anniversary of Pokemon, which is this week on the 27th. So it's probably, hey, let's celebrate Mario and Pokemon, and they'll probably worry about Zelda later. But but who knows? And that reminds me, I hope we get Diamond and Pearl remakes. Diamond and Pearl are really the only Pokemon I've never played. I've played a little bit of Black 2, which technically is like Black black and white so it's whatever but anyway we'll probably talk about that next week if there's a nintendo direct for pokemon this week which everyone is expecting there to be no official confirmation on that though but legend of zelda turned 35 this week pokemon turns 25 at the end of the week also uh we've talked about the embracer group before they're they're the company that used to be thq nordic that pretty much own like almost every Pokemon studio under the sun. They purchased a uh, gearbox a couple weeks back. Well, they have a new goal of creating an archive that will ho- house every video game ever created. And the an advisor at the the Embracer group put it on Twitter and they they are trying to create this this you know archive and it says the foundation of the archive quote uh, to create an quote an archive of all video games, and they're trying to get um, games from private collections all over Europe, all over the past world. They already have fifty thousand pieces that says quote games, consoles, peripherals, and arcades unquote. 
Uh, they also said, quote, it will take decades to complete, unquote. But they want to... That's crazy. They're going to do this in Sweden. Uh, they will have cre uh, satellite exhibits, they also said. And it's just... A, it will be, quote, a complete reference library for the benefit of the group, unquote. For every single game ever made. How crazy is that? Luckily, in modern years, games have been more mass-produced and probably don't get thrown away as often as they did in the past, but... I mean, we all know what happened with, with E.T. back in the 80s, so it might be hard to get some some older peripherals. Some people might not want to part with their stuff or games, but I'm sure if they were given the right price, they might give up some things that might be of very few in existence. And sticking with the Embracer group, they have over 150 games currently in development. And they expect at least 70 of them to be finished by March of next year. So, like I said, they own Gearbox. They also own Volition. They own Coffee Stain, 4A Games. They, like I said, 150 games. Um, and this was announced in their third quarter interim report. So this is on their website. And they said their number of games and development projects have increased 56% year on year from 96 in October the October-December time frame of 2019, and 150 in October-December 2020. So, quote, says, We now expect the next financial year ending March 2022 to become the strongest in our history, driven by numerous significant releases towards the second half of the year. In total, we expect to complete more than 70 premium game development projects. Unquote. So, 70 of these 150 games, so about half they said will be released or in a state of release between now and March. So they might not actually come out, but they'll be ready to come out. That's crazy. Uh, it also says to quote, total headcount increased 93% to 5,730 where total game developers increased 92% to 4,325 unquote. So they've doubled everyone. Jesus. And remember last year, we talked about this last year too. They had 69 unannounced games in development. What are they working on? Jesus, they own so many studios. That, that's wild, man. That is a wild amount of things to be going on under one company. They're bigger than an EA. They're bigger than Activision. That's nuts, dude. That's crazy. That would be like if EA said, hey, we're have all these new studios and we're going to release a game every month. We're going to release three games every month for the next six months. Like, no, you'd laugh at them and be like, shut the fuck up. No, you're not like, this is, this is unfathomable, unfathomable. I'm not saying that right. Am I anyway, <laughs> the embracer group, they're trying to create a video game archive of every game ever made. And then they're also pumping out games like it's candy. Wild, wild, wild. Uh, also announced Fall Guys will finally be coming to the Xbox platform this summer with new seasons and new skins yet to be announced. So, so be on the lookout for that. And it looks like it will have cross-platform. So that's exciting. Hopefully, I mean, the craze for Fall Guys is still around in a couple months. Um, Bungie has also announced that they are expanding their studio to be able to work on non-Destiny games. As we all know, the last non-Destiny game that Bungie worked on was 2010's Halo Reach. And uh, this was put on a press release from Bungie. 
It says, quote, Increase Bungie's HQ footprint from 84,000 square feet to more than 208,000 square feet. Commitment to the long-term development of, of Destiny 2 is part of it. They want to increase their foothold. Look at Think about this. So they're, they're essentially doubling the space of their studio, which means they can hire more people, bring more people in. And it also says, quote, to tell new stories in the Destiny universe and create entirely new worlds to in to-be-announced IPs. Um, also said, quote, bring at least one new IP to market before 2025, unquote. And they also said it will be comedic and have whimsical characters. They filed a trademark for something called Matter in 2018. Maybe that's going to be part of it. And they will hope to hire all these new people in the next few years. Uh, they also have a new focus on new media, unquote, and, quote, multimedia IP expansion, unquote. So maybe they will work on licensing or having Destiny tie-ins and a lot of other things. So maybe more books, more films. I mean, the Grimoire stuff is coming out. But Bungie had a history of doing it with Halo. And of course, that all moved over and got taken over by 343 Industries and Microsoft and such. So I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't be opposed to doing it with Destiny. And they have enough fans to create more of a following and have more tie-in that it, it would be purchased by people. And I know plenty of people that would welcome it. I know at least four people that I work with that would, would take and purchase Destiny tie-in material, books, comics, things like that. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's, it's really cool to, to hear. So I'm excited to see what Bungie does next. They've, they've been killing it for a long time, and it's, it's nice to see them being able to expand beyond Destiny as well. And I'm sure the success Destiny has had has allowed them to increase their, their productivity. Also announced, and it's perfect in, in a year when financial things have been all over the fucking place, but, uh, and especially when it's hard to get certain things in the gaming world because it ties into financials too much, but NVIDIA has announced a new version of their RTX 3060 GPU that will essentially not work for cryptocurrency mining. And most of the time when new GPUs are announced, they are quickly bought up by crypto miners. They're not even used by gamers. And of course, with the things that have been going last year, it was almost impossible to get the new RTX 30 series because they were bought up by scalpers and bots and people for crypto mining. And these will come out February 25th, so tomorrow. And it has uh, software drivers that detect when it's going to be used for Ethereum cryptocurrency mining algorithm. And it will limit the hash rate. So it's about 50% 50 less, 50 less effective for miners. So it's this thing will be gaming only. And it is NVIDIA CMP. It's, it's an answer for miners. So... They do have things that make it better for mining for other ones. And then this one is saying, hey, fuck off. This is just for gamers. Don't get in their way. Uh, it also says, quote, CMP products, which don't do graphics, are sold through an authorized partners and optimized for the best mining performance and efficiency. They don't meet the specifications required of a GeForce GPU and thus don't impact the availability of GeForce GPUs to gamers. Uh, it lacks display outputs 
has lower peak voltage output, so it's all meant for mining. It also says with CMP we can help miners build the most efficient data centers while preserving GeoForce RTX GPUs for gamers, unquote. So they're launching this new brand, the CMP brand, to keep people from buying them up and taking them from people who want them for games and releasing ones just for mining because they're a little bit better than, than CPUs are. So hopefully this will make it a little bit easier to get some of the newer uh, NVIDIA GPUs that are coming out and that have come out in the last few months. Uh, also announced that Game Developers Conference, GDC, will be an online all-digital event again this year. And instead of focusing on like one week or one weekend, they will be spreading out different events throughout the year. They will still have some things that, that start next weekend. Then they'll have uh, st stuff later in March. They'll do more things in July. And then they'll have other things spread out throughout the year. So keep an eye out on different, different gaming outlets and things like that, as I'm sure they will update things and what's going on in the months and weeks ahead. Uh, we also had BlizzCon this weekend, which was, of course, digital, and we got some new announcements. Uh, another piece of Warcraft, Warcraft Classic will be launching this year in the Burning Crusade Classic. Uh, this is essentially a, like, not a remaster, but like a demaster, if you want to call it. It's essentially a um, less graphically enhanced and without the modern bells and whistles of Warcraft. So Warcraft Classic came out, I think, a year or two years ago. Now they're going to be doing it with the first expansion, the Burning Crusade, and that will launch later this year on Warcraft. Um, also announced was the Blizzard Arcade Collection with classic Blizzard games. That's available now. Um, also announced the Shadow first Shadowlands patch, which is 9.1, will be named Chains of Domination. And will launch with new dungeons and new bosses and boss raids. Uh, they also said that the Lich King may get a classic remaster, demaster coming in the future as well to expand on the Warcraft classic enhance D enhancements. Diablo 4 will be getting a rogue class. Uh, still no word yet on when that will launch. But what is coming this year to both console and PC is Diablo 2 Resurrected, which is a fully remastered, enhanced, um, looks like a new engine almost, of Diablo 2. And that's coming to console and PC this year. So if you never played Diablo 2, now here's your chance. And you can do it on console. Uh, we also got a lot of Overwatch 2 news, which... Uh, they said they're going to be changing some things up. They changed gameplay a little. They showed off their new hero. Uh, but it will not be coming out this year. So if you were looking for Overwatch 2 this year, it's not coming this year. So so unfortunately, you got to wait a little bit longer. Uh, and I think they said cross-play. They'll have more focus on single-player as well and not just multiplayer. And also, they showed off some new maps as well as returning maps and new game modes. Uh, also announced in in regards to Warcraft is one day they may allow Horde and Alliance players to team up to compete things. For Warcraft's 20 plus year history, Horde and Alliance have always been enemies, never friends or allies. So it'll be interesting to see how they make it work if it happens for them to play in to, uh, with each other. And the final bit of news here from, from BlizzCon, it's kind of funny actually. There was a Metallica concert that was held during BlizzCon on Twitch. And what's really funny 
is this was at the end of the opening ceremony on the Twitch gaming channel. They were hit with a DMCA claim. So Metallica, who was playing live, was hit with a digital rights media claim, which then caused non-metal music to play over it because they didn't have the rights to the music. This was a live performance by Metallica themselves. So it, it played no issue on the BlizzCon channel, Blizzard's channel, on their YouTube, but not on the Twitch gaming channel because apparently they didn't have the rights. And, you know, the DMCA takedown, DMCA takedowns have been harsh on Twitch lately. It's been really, really out of control. But it's just, it, it's really funny that that would happen on a live performance of the actual band playing their own music. Like, I can understand if it was being played by someone in the background, or maybe a, a band that didn't have the rights to play live, and it's just... It's funny because it happened to the actual band that it is. That's 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 just that's hilarious. But moving on, speaking of DMCA takedowns, CD Projekt Red has been threatening people online. You tweet out the stolen game code that was remember they were hacked and the code the master code to both The Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk were stolen and released online. Uh, but if you share it on, on Twitter, probably shouldn't, Cyberpunk is issuing out those DMCA takedowns. Uh, this is per Vice. So at least a few people have already been threatened and they because they shared that illegally obtained code. Um, and, oh, this was for Gwent. So Gwent was taken as well. And it says, quote, Description of infringement illegally obtained source code of Gwent the Witcher card game posted without authorization. Not intended to be released to the public. That's what this takedown said. Um, and let me see. So they, they tweeted out a torrent. And this the person's like, quote, let's just say it wasn't anything I didn't expect, unquote. It's like, then why the fuck did you do it to begin with? Uh, three other people have also been issued. And it looks like if you do it still, you're going to be hit with that and possibly a lawsuit. So word to the wise, just don't tweet stolen shit. It might might protect you. Okay, how about this? This is a new one. Google, id Software, and Bungie have all been sued. So, it's all over a class action lawsuit. And it all has to do about Stadia and games at 4K. So, this is per classaction.org. It was filed last year in Queens County Superior Court in New York. Now a New York federal court is taking it up. Uh, it was brought about by plaintiff Jacqueline Shepard, and it all has to do with Stadia claiming that it would be, quote, more powerful than both Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 Pro combined, and all over 4K resolution. It came out after launch that they weren't putting out true 4K image, but it was all upscaling. And this is what, what it now says. It says, quote, Google made false and misleading claims concerning the streaming quality of Stadia service in order to generate increased revenue for the Google Stadia division, unquote. They've also included id Software and Bungie because it said Doom Eternal and Destiny 2 would be in 4K resolutions. Neither of them ran at that resolution. And it also says, quote, wrongfully generated millions of dollars in revenue as a result in a, quote, pertaining to id in general over doom eternal they're seeking 
financial compensation and also to force Google to display the true resolution and frame rate of every game on Stadia. <laughs> that's funny. It's That's probably not going to go anywhere because Stadia is effectively dead and people aren't going to really take on Google. Like, it all comes down to also your internet capabilities. Watch this person not even have a, a like, strong enough, like a strong enough internet signal to even stream 4K, even if they wanted to. Because, like, if I was a judge, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Granted, I'm not a judge, and that's probably not how things would really work. But still, like, the principle of the matter. That's what that's what matters. Also announced, uh, a new gaming venue, or esports venue, I should say, is going to be built in Toronto. Uh, the owner of the Toronto Call of Duty team and the Overwatch team, they own both, has announced they are going to be building a new 7,000-seat arena for esports and other events, and they're looking to break ground soon and have it open within the next few years. And the, the concept art on the architecture looks wild. And it, it's going to be amphitheater style, so it will be seats looking down at a stage, almost like a movie theater or, or a, a concert hall. Uh, but a 7,000-seat esports venue as the focus. That's That's... Get used to that, folks, because that's probably what the future is going to be as esports gets more popular and more popular. What's funny is at, at the beginning of last year, you know, as sports essentially shut down, um, ESPN had like nothing to report on but esports. And now that sports are happening again, they almost never talk about esports again. So the, ESPN just does what, what fits their mold at the time and what will bring them the clicks and views. But I'm when I'm serious when I say esports is going to get bigger and bigger, and don't be surprised if you start hearing about more esport venues being built in the in the next coming years. Uh, also, we got news on the analog pocket. So we talked about this last year, and it was a new um, a new device that would be able to play like Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, and like other handheld games. And it was being developed by the company Analog, who also make like the Retron products and things like that, if I'm not mistaken. They don't make the Retron, but they make other devices that can play older games. So they had one that's like a remake of a, a, a Mega Drive or a, a Sega Genesis, essentially, of uh, Super Nintendo and um, some other devices. Well, they are doing the, um, they're doing the, the Game Boy, so it's the Analog Pocket. Last year, they went up for pre-order, and pre-orders literally went out, like, day of. Well, they realized that a lot of those were bots and things like that, so they're, they put out good news. They're bringing more pre-orders with uh, bot and scalper protections to help ward off resellers, which is really good. Um, they never intended for it to be a limited-time product, so they want to make sure that they're going to be available for quite some time, and... Uh, in a new post on their blog, um, they said this. So, quote, The current global state of affairs has resulted in consequences that have affected the worldwide supply chain, and this has temporarily slowed our ability to keep many of our products in stock, Super NT, Mega SG, and reduced production capacity for Pocket. We are aware that many users are frustrated that Pocket pre-orders sold out quickly and both Super NT and Mega SG are currently unavailable. Pocket is not a limited edition product. 
See below for a description of all terminology analog products are presented in. More pockets will be available for purchase in 2021. With all things considered, we will be doing our best to keep the pocket in stock all year in 2021. Please sign up for a stock notification at analog.co/store and you'll be sent an email when pocket will be available to purchase. Bear with us during these unusual times and know that we're doing our best to get everything in stock or available for pre-order as soon as possible. Lastly, in an effort to meet the unprecedented demand, we have taken careful action to address bots, scalpers, and shipping calculator issues. Bot protection. Analog will be implementing robust protection on the Analog Store. This should significantly protect against bots during product launches on the Analog Store and make sure real users can purchase Analog products. All orders placed using bots will be canceled and their inventory will be allocated to real users. 2. Scalpers. While, product, while a product is in pre-order, Analog will be monitoring resale websites like eBay to report scalpers reselling pre-orders resales of analog products that the seller does not have in their possession. This is against eBay's policies and we will be reporting these listings to eBay directly. All pre-orders found to be listed for resale will be cancelled. 3. Terminology A description of the terminology and categories analog products are presented in. Limited quantities. When a new product is announced or released, there will be limited quantities available for initial production run. Any product that is not a limited edition will continue, will continue to be produced it is our aim to restock non-limited edition products as soon as possible. Uh, they keep going out on and on. Four, shipping calculator issues. During Pocket's initial pre-order release, Analog Store experienced an unprecedented volume of users. This overwhelmed the shipping calculator and resulted in delayed shipping rates, which prevented some users from completing their pre-order. We have identified the issue and are taking action to ensure our checkout is optimized for large traffic spikes. We apologize for any inconvenience this caused. Uh, and then they go on to do customer support and other things, unquote. But if you were unlucky enough to get an analog pocket last year, it looks like this year you might finally get that option. Um, what is this? They have new products coming. Anyway, um, the analog pocket, like I said, is uh, like a Game Boy remake, if you will. Uh, it's a, quote, a multi-video game system, portable handheld, a digital audio workstation with a built-in synthesizer and a sequencer. A tribute to portable gaming, out-of-the-box, Pocket is compatible with the 2700 Plus Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance game cartridge library. Pocket works with cartridge adapters for the handheld systems too, like Game Gear, Neo Geo Pocket Color, Atari Lynx, and more. Uh, it's not emulation. There's a, a nice, fancy, beautiful screen. Um, it's a 3.5, 615 PPI LCD with a 1600 by 1440 resolution. So it's 10 times the, orig the resolution of the original Game Boy. Uh, it has adapters for Game Gear, Neo Geo Pocket, Color, and Atari Lynx. Um, it's also, you can make music, and it also has a game developer tool in there. Um, you can sync with MDMI cables, or M... MIDI cables, MIDI, MIDI, I don't know how you say it. Sleep and wake, display mode so you can play in the original green tint. We talked about it a lot last year. Um, it also has a dock, but it will be available hopefully again later this year. I cannot wait to get my hands on this bad boy. I still have a lot of my original Game Boy games, so I'd be happy to play. So, like I said, it's um, 
Compatible with all those, 3.5 inch LCD 1600 by 1440 resolution, 1615 PPI, 360 degree display rotation, variable refresh rate display, rechargeable lithium ion 4300 mAh battery, 6 to 10 hour gameplay time and 10 hour sleep, all buttons mappable, stereo speakers, micro SD card slot, USB-C charging, original style link port, and 3.5 millimeter headphone output. Ooh, ooh, 1080p HDMI output. Ooh, I can't wait to see what... I can't wait to get my hands on one of these bad boys. And I'm happy to hear that they're bringing more pre-orders and hopefully keep it in stock all year. But keep your eye out on Analog, and we'll talk about it, of course, when we get more news. Uh, if you guys were holding out hope for Gran Turismo 7 this year, unfortunately, you will have to wait. It has been delayed until 2022 at the earliest. Sad news for racing fans as no major racing game. I mean, Dirt 5 came out, but Gran Turismo and both both Gran Turismo and Forza will not be releasing this year for next-gen systems. Interesting, for sure. Because racing games usually show off the power of them, and it's, it's interesting that we're not going to have either of that they're, they're marquee franchises this year. Um, also announced was a PSVR 2. Um, so Jim Ryan, the head of, of Sony, or is his name Jim Ryan? Why do I think it's not? But yeah, it is Jim Ryan. He's talking to GQ. Why has he been talking to non-gaming outlets lately? Washington Post, GQ, he did this all last year too with PS5 stuff. It boggles my mind, but it, 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 it's the next PlayStation VR headset. Uh, it says it will, quote, connect to PS5 with a single cord to simplify setup and improve ease of use while enabling a high-fidelity vi high visual experience, unquote. It also says that it will be, quote, a next-gen VR system that enhances everything from resolution and field of view to tracking and input, unquote. Um, it also says, quote, they will have a new PSVR controller that says, quote, which will incorporate some of the key features found in the DualSense wireless controller, along with a focus on great ergonomics, unquote. It is not coming this year. Uh, they also said that, quote, there's still a lot of development underway for our new VR system, so it won't be launching in 2021. But we wanted to provide this early update to our fans as the development community has started to work on creating new worlds for you to explore in virtual reality, unquote. Uh, this was from a blog post as well, after being mentioned in the interview with GQ. And dev kits are apparently already going out, and we'll learn about it later this year, they said. I, I don't... Why Why is he talking to GQ? I'm still, My mind is still blown. Why aren't you talking to The Verge? Why aren't you talking to Kotaku or IGN or, you know, Eurogamer, like Game Rant, GameSpot? Like, there's people... Like, GQ doesn't give a fuck. GQ doesn't have a major gaming arm. When I think of gaming news, I'm not going to go to GQ. I'm not going to go to the Washington Post. Like, here's their here's Sony again. Because they're at the top, they don't think they need to focus on, on, on gamers. Like, guys are dumb sometimes. They always go business first. Like, and that gets them into hot water. Case in point, the launch of the PS3. Moving forward... We talked about how Google had closed all first-party Stadia developers, right, for all their games. Well, it has been announced that 
Journey to the Savage Planet, one of their only first-party games. Uh, it came out that Stadia launched, essentially. Oh, wait, no, it, was, it came out the same day they closed their studios, um, including Typhoon Studios, the company that made this game. There's apparently a version of the game that has a bug, and it can't be fixed because, you know, the developer is closed. But I guess uh, as recently as to yesterday, uh, the Stadia subreddit, someone has announced via a representative from Stadia that says, quote, address the issue causing save game corruption, which were crashing the game when loading them at the main menu, and a fix to prevent co-op disconnects when suspending or switching devices, unquote. So... I guess someone is working on it, just not the original developers, as they all lost their jobs. Which is hilarious. Not for the people that lost their jobs, but hilarious. Like, hey, we're going to launch a game, and then we're also going to close the studio the day the game launches. Like, what? Like, that's not how things are supposed to work. Mind you, this game also came out on Xbox and PlayStation, so... <laughs> yeah, that's uh, really bad, <laughs> but funny. Funny in games, not funny for people who lost their jobs. Um, and speaking of developers not being around any longer, well, the developers behind Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 have been removed, and the game has now been indefinitely delayed, at least, or at least out of 2021. And... Uh, Paradox Interactive put out their 2020 year-end report, and it said, quote, started a collaboration with a new studio partner to finish work on the game, unquote. Uh, they also said that they've removed Hardsuit Labs, and yeah, so this is interesting. It also says, quote, a change is needed, and as a result, more development time is required, unquote. Uh, they went on to say, quote, the studio has done a tremendous job in laying the foundations for the game, and we hope that you, the community, will also appreciate their contribution to Bloodlines 2. End quote. So it was supposed to launch last year. Then it was delayed to late last year. Then it was delayed into this year last year. And now it's not going to come out this year at all. They also went on to say, Paradox says, quote, As soon as we can, we'll let you know what the future development team of Bloodlines 2 will look like. Unquote. No word yet on why they were removed, but it's not being made by Heartsuit Labs any longer. I'm sure we'll find out soon enough what the real situation is. But, they're not the only game to suffer that kind of consequence either. In a new report, uh, the developers behind Dying Light 2 um, have been facing a lot of hardship over at Techland, the Polish developer. Uh, apparently in this report, uh, published by The Gamer of all places, that a lot of uh, former employees have testified to at least 20 staff have, less, have left Techland in the last two months. Employees are walking off the game. They don't like how they're being treated by management. Here's a quote from the report. It says, quote, whenever an expert starts advising things that are not aligned with the board's agenda, they slowly get isolated from the project and responsibilities. That leads to them leaving or eventually getting fired. To make a career at Techland, you have to be a, be subservient, unquote. And I guess someone who had a 30-year experience at Ubisoft 
They were brought in to restructure the studio's design process. They couldn't agree with management and were let go. Um, a lot of things were trying to be replaced and made better and workflow made easier. Uh, another thing, large people were larger influence people were let go. Uh, I guess they're stifling creativity. And also it says, quote, trust in the flow of ideas in a large organization is a complex issue, unquote, said the CEO of the company after allegations were made. He also said, quote, after all, you can trust someone but not agree to their idea because it is not, for example, the right moment to implement it or if it does not fit the certain project, unquote. Uh, that sounds like a guy on the ropes, if you ask me. But uh, he also said, quote, one of his troops, uh, this is uh, what staff said, quote, one of his super strict rules for design is that an idea can't be implemented if it doesn't have an existing reference from another game, unquote. That's strange. That's a weird thing to, to put on your team. Uh, they also said, quote, if you have references from games, Marchuka, I, that might be his name, may not know about, you may not as may as well not have any references and anything slightly innovative or expensive is off the table immediately, unquote. Wow. They are, there's a lot of stuff in here that I'm not going to go super into, but it, it's all like not, um, not great to hear from a company. Dying Light 2 was delayed last year. There's no, uh, there's no current release date. And it was supposed to be released last year, I'm pretty sure. But based off stuff I'm hearing, that studio might not be allow around um, for much longer, is what that sounds like. Uh, unfortunately, that sucks. I know a lot of people like the Dying Light franchise, but it sounds like that studio is starting to flounder a bit. Um, moving back to... Um, Sony here for a second. They're bringing back their play at home uh, initiative that they did last year where they gave out the Nathan Drake collection and journey for free. They will be doing it again this year uh, and it's going to start with the Ratchet and Clank game from 2016. Uh, it will be free for everyone to keep even if you don't have PSN Plus uh, and they will announce future games as well um, and also starting next month uh, you'll get access to some Crunchyroll titles as well. And then with that, we also got the announcement from Jim Ryan that they're going to be putting more PlayStation 4 exclusive games on PCs this year. Uh, the first of which will be um, Days Gone. And it flies in the face of what Sony said a couple years ago in that their games will never be on PC. And of course, Sony fanboys crying out on the internet, Oh, Xbox sucks. It doesn't have exclusives. You can play them all on PC. Okay, well, fanboys suck on, on either side of the spectrum. And... Obviously, Sony is going to do this from a business standpoint because it puts puts their games in the hands of more people. Granted, it's not day and date like Xbox Play Anywhere titles, but I mean, eventually they come to PC, so it changes things. So that's happening. Uh, expect Days Gone to release on PC sometime in the near future. Uh, we also got our announcement for Games with Gold for this month on Xbox. We don't have PSN Plus games. It's just a few days before March, and they always like to do it at the very last minute. But on Xbox One games, it will be Warface Breakout and Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse, which is a twin-stick shooter. And then on the 360 
um, backwards compatible games that are free. Uh, it will be Metal Slug 3 and Port Royale 3, the pirate sim game. Um, also announced today, Republic Commando will be getting a remaster on both Switch and PS4. Uh, the formerly Xbox-exclusive game, of course, has been available via backwards compatibility on Xbox One and Series X for, I think, a year or two now. And you can get it on Steam, it just doesn't play great. Uh, but this, And the servers were set down, shut down recently for multiplayer. But now you'll be able to play it on Switch and PS4, and though that releases this April. And then, in what I would consider like the uh, millionth time this has been tried... And it always fails. Uh, to quote the Borg, resistance is futile. A Chicago lawmaker is proposing a bill to ban the sale of violent video games in the state of Illinois. Especially Grand Theft Auto. It's called HB 3531, or House Bill, if you will. It says, quote, amends the violent video games law in the criminal code of 2012. Changes provisions that restrict the sale of or rental of violent video games to minors to prohibit the sale of all violent video games, unquote. This guy's a wacko to think if he thinks that's actually going to pass. Um, it also said it would modify current definition of violent video game. And it would say, quote, allows a user or player to control a character within the video game that is encouraged to perpetuate human-on-human -human violence in which the player kills or otherwise causes serious physical or psychological harm to another human or animal, unquote. Jesus, this guy. Uh, this is Democratic Rep. Marcus Evans Jr. I guess the there's been a rise of crime in Chicago, and he's blaming video games. They always blame the wrong thing. And I, I don't see how this can happen. And this is what the ESA had to say. Quote, While our industry understands and shares the concerns about what has been happening in Chicago, there simply is no evidence of a link between interactive entertainment and real-world violence. We believe the solution to this complex problem resides in examining thoroughly the actual factors that drive such behaviors rather than erroneously ascribing blame to video games based solely upon speculation, unquote. I just... It, it, it's... Why do lawmakers think they know and think that this is the cause? It, it's just... Like, look at the real problems, right? Like the ESA said, look at the real root of the problem... It's not kids playing Grand Theft Auto. A kid playing Grand Theft Auto is not going to walk his ass outside and go steal a car. If he's stealing a car, he's not playing fucking video games. I'll tell you that right now. Fucking stupid. And there was a, a what was it, last year when we were talking about this, there was a report that came out. There was no correlation between violent criminals or school shootings or any of that with kids who played violent video games. Like, zero. Half the time, those kids don't even play video games. And if criminals are playing video games, they're probably playing to have fun, and it's not influencing their behavior as criminals. They're criminals before and after they play video games. They can probably be rehabilitated, and they're probably still going to be playing video games regardless if they're a criminal or not. Or if they were or will be or become one, video games isn't going to influence it. Like... Stop. Just stop blaming video games. That's all I gotta fucking say. Stop blaming video games. Stop. Just stop blaming video games. So dumb. But that's where we're gonna end the video game talk today. But it's it just... I, I hate that this is a thing that happens every six fucking months. You don't hear them talking about banning fucking violent movies. 
You don't hear them talking about putting more money into the schools to make sure these kids, you know, learn or keep them off the street. Nah, well, they'll race, waste resources and ban video games because, you know, that's the answer. Fucking old people who don't know video games, fucking morons is what it is. Before I get really angry, let's talk about TV, shall we? Well, news came out this past week that Donald Glover will be leaving his home at FX, where his show Atlanta currently is airing and being produced, and of course under Disney, um, who owns FX now. He has signed a deal with Amazon uh, for an eight-feature Eight different features, uh, be it TV shows, movies, anything like that. Uh, his brother has also signed a deal. And included is, it looks like Malia Obama, the elder daughter of the former president, has joined one of the writing rooms on one of the projects. It looks like some heavy, heavy weight being thrown around here by Amazon. Uh, especially with Donald Glover, who is by far one of the most talented people in Hollywood today. Um, we also got our first look at... The new animated HBO Max Aquaman show. And it's hideous. It it, it it looks like it's coming from people who animate like Steven Universe and Regular Show. And um, Adventure Time. And look, I'm going to tell you right now. I hate the animation on those shows. It is atrocious to me. I don't care if it's classical animation. It looks like shit. It does not look good. It does not look like they put any time into it. And then this Aquaman show looks just as fucking bad. And they're making Aquaman a joke again. We just finally started Aquaman being viewed as a badass. And this show looks like we're going back to like Super Friends era. Where Aquaman's a fucking joke. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm not cool with that at all. Also, Marvel has reacquired the rights to both The Punisher and Jessica Jones after their rights ended with Netflix, so uh, it's possible for them to use those characters in the MCU now, even though it's technically MCU. Well, they can make stuff with those characters if they wanted to. Um, also announced that the Sony will be moving forward with the Twisted Metal TV show, uh, and it has brought on the writers of the Deadpool movies and Zombieland, the, the, since it's the same writers, as the writers on the show for Twisted Metal, which actually gives me high hopes for the show. I am very excited to see where that actually will go, because if, if anyone can make a good show out of that, it's probably the people behind Deadpool. They know how to do comedy and serious and violence and things like that. Um, also announced the first of a new universe at Disney Plus, Ronald D. Moore will be creating a Magic Kingdom TV universe for Disney Plus. So Ronald D. Moore behind was behind the Battlestar Galactica reboot. He was also behind the 80s and 90s era of Star Trek, so TNG, Voyager, um, Deep Space Nine, things like that. So he knows how to create franchises. And this one, he'll be working with the Imagineers to create shows and other projects based off Disney Park properties. So uh, his first one is going to be about like adventurers or something that probably ties into Frontierland or Adventureland or something like that. So we might see a Space Mountain type project, a Haunted Mansion type project. Um, and speaking of the adventurers, I guess there's a group of individuals that you see throughout the parks... Uh, that are the adventures, and one of them's the guy who like runs the 
Haunted Mansion ride at Shanghai Disney or something. So it's like those group of people that are behind stuff that he's making a show about them. So that'll be interesting to see if that pans out and if, if people end up liking it. Also, we got news that the Green Lantern story that was teased at the end of Arrow Season 8 in regards to Diggle will be expo- explored later on in Season 7 of The Flash, uh, which of course starts uh, next week, finally, The Flash returns. And before we talk about WandaVision from last week, let's talk about all the new uh, streaming news we got today. So, at the TCA upfronts, or the television Television Critics Association Upfronts is where they announce renewals and other things relating to shows. Every network gets their own. Um, We got a lot of news regarding Disney+. And it looks like Disney Plus is going to be firing on all cylinders this year in terms of content. So, uh, we finally got a release date for Loki, which will premiere June 11th. So, it looks like right, almost right after Winter Soldier ends or whenever... Or not Winter Soldier, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So that's probably going to run from mid-March to... Oh, you know what? Now that I think about it, probably not. We're probably going to have a gap there between Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki. So Loki is June 11th. Uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch, we finally got a release date. That will premiere on March 4th, Star Wars Day. The Bad Batch, of course, being a sequel show to The Clone Wars. So that will be May 4th. Uh, of course, we talked about uh, the Mighty Ducks sequel TV sh- series. That will premiere on March 26th, which will be followed up with The Big Shot, a new show starring John Stamos, uh, which will premiere April 16th on Disney+. Plus. Uh, then we get Monsters at Work, the sequel show about Monsters, Inc., starring, of course, uh, with well, starring some new characters and cast, but we'll see the return of Billy Crystal and... and and John Goodman, um, and that will premiere July 2nd. Uh, a new Turner and Hooch show starring Josh Peck, which is a sequel to the Turner and Hooch movie starring uh, Tom Hanks, will premiere July 16th. And then on July 23rd, we will get the premiere of the new Chippendale Park Life cartoon series, which will consist of 36 seven-minute episodes that will combine traditional animation with Modern sensibility, humor, and stuff like that. Whatever that means. So a lot of news regarding Disney+, Plus, and it looks like we're going to be getting a, a whole lot of content in the next few months. So it's good, because a lot of people have com- complained of and called them, you know, sparse in the last year or so. But we also got news from Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios. Uh, he was interviewed during the, the TCA panel. And he did go on to say that She-Hulk will start production in a few weeks. Moon Knight will go into production a week or so after that. And he said that uh, some updates on different shows. And Disney Plus is the focus right now for Marvel. So he said, some of the shows that I mentioned that we're about to start filming, we are keeping in mind a structure that would lead into a season two and a season three in a more direct way than, say, a show like WandaVision, which clearly goes into a feature, but it is new. Um, so that's he's referring to Wanda being confirmed as a uh, part of the Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness film. Um, he also went on to say that says, quote, sometimes it can go into a feature, then back into a series. 
We've announced that Miss Marvel, after her, her debut on Disney+, Plus, will be going into the second Captain Marvel film. But sometimes, and yet to be announced, we are thinking of and planning second seasons for some of the upcoming series, unquote. Um, he also made a reference about how Daredevil and Jessica Jones and things like that had, had gone back to their rights. He said, um, he didn't say anything about them coming into the MCU, but he said, Legions of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans and Daredevil fans, Jessica Jones fans, and Luke Cage fans um, would say that, you know, they've been a success, unquote, paraphrasing a bit there. Um, but no word yet on if, if they'll join. But he essentially gave an update on on the shows that are coming soon that we have been announced, that we have been waiting for. And hopefully, maybe some characters from those shows will make their way back into the MCU proper. Then, the biggest news of the day, of course, is everything that's coming to Paramount Plus, which launches on March 4th. So next week, CBS Access will officially transition to Paramount Plus. If you're an existing subscriber, you get transitioned over. It'll be $10 a month and will be ad-free, which is really great because right now there is ads on Paramount, on CBS All Access. Uh, 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 an ad-supported version will launch later in the year. I think they said June or July. And that will be about 6 bucks a month. But on top of the stuff that's already there, access to a plethora of, of Paramount movies and things from the past and other TV shows, the new stuff, what we're going to talk about, of course... Uh, we're going to be getting new series based on Paramount films like Grease, The Italian Job, and Flashdance, and some other things. Of course, they've already announced that documentary series about The Godfather. Uh, Star Trek Prodigy, which was the new animated Star Trek show that was going to go to Nickelodeon, will now premiere on uh, Paramount Plus first. Uh, we also got to look at the cast of characters, and it's all new alien races. They look new, of course. Uh, the animation style, it's a little different. It's about a a group of young teenagers and kids who find a derelict Starfleet ship and, and take over it and joyride around the galaxy. We don't know if these are new races or existing races. Uh, no word yet on names or full cast list, um, but that will now premiere on, on Paramount Plus first. Uh, Criminal Minds will be getting a reboot, and as well as a docu-series about real Criminal Minds type stuff. A lot of other shows as well. I'm just hinting at stuff that I know is a little more popular with people. We are getting a Frasier revival that has been officially confirmed with Kelsey Grammer returning. And then what I think is the biggest news here, personally for me at least, is the Halo TV series, which is being produced by Viacom CBS, will no longer go to Showtime, but it will now premiere and be exclusive to Paramount+. Plus. And it looks like it will be premiering in early 2022 as production recently got back underway in Budapest after, of course, it, it halted due to everything going on in the world last year. But the Halo series will no longer be on Showtime, but is now going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive. Um, also announced is a new Beavis and Butthead movie that will come out before the Beavis and Bud TV show that is now coming to Comedy Central. Um, as well as a new Workaholics movie and a new Reno 911 special. Um, a lot of MTV content like Unplugged, Behind the Music, things like that. 
um, a, uh, including a real world reunion show. And they're going to focus on the very first season of the real world from back in the nineties. We are getting a CG Rugrats reboot that will star the original cast. They put out a small trailer and it looks phenomenal. A live action, fairly odd parents TV show. Also set up was a new Avatar Studios, which will focus on new films and series set in the Avatar The Last Airbender uh, franchise, and it will be headed by the creators of the show after they left the Netflix adaptation. Uh, And then also announced new films will debut 45 days after theatrical release on the platform. So Mission Impossible 7, A Quiet Place 2... They also signed a deal with MGM, so that means uh, No Time to Die, the new James Bond film, will premiere on on Paramount Plus sometime in the future. Um, but that's that's a big win. Uh, obviously, it's not day and date like like HBO Max, but it will be on Paramount Plus at least forty five days after theatrical release. Um, and that's it for the streaming stuff. Um, so to wrap up TV, I do want to talk about WandaVision this this week. And we finally got confirmation to what most people were speculating on the internet. And Agnes is actually the longtime Marvel character Agatha Harkness. Yes, spoilers, but but Agatha Harkness, who has a who has a deep history with, with Wanda as well, uh, and her children. But it, it looks like she's been the one pulling the strings on a lot of things and might be influencing Wanda. Um, and they do like a quick, cool, cool callback to all the episodes. Uh, she killed the, the, the boy's dog. Uh, she's the one who brought this phantom Pietro back. Uh, she's the one who is, she's clearly a witch, right? And she's influencing Wanda in a lot of ways on a lot of things. Uh, this episode was very much heavily like Modern Family as well. Uh, the influence was was overwhelming at, at times. Uh, we got nice interactions between um, with Darcy and Vision uh, as they are now both back in the the hex, as it's being called. Um, we didn't get to meet who who um, Monica's engineer, uh, aeronautical engineer friend is just yet after it was teased, um, but she is in now. She has made it back into the hex, and her powers have now fully awakened. In the comics, she's the character Photon, who's related to who hangs out with Captain Marvel a lot. So we'll we'll see we'll see interactions there. And uh, her confrontation with Wanda was interesting, and she's poking around. We got our first after credit mid credit scene on WandaVision this week that hinted at at big things to come uh, for next week, of course. But It'll be interesting to see where they go on the next episode because it looks like they're finally fully ditching like the the sitcom aspect, right? And we're going back into like full on. This is an MCU program. Let's kick it up a notch in like production value type stuff. But we'll see how it proceeds from here. And it looks like we might have some more tension between Wanda and Vision this week, as we only have two episodes of the show left. And we'll hopefully get some more answers. And we're still waiting on a big cameo that's been teased that hasn't happened yet. So can't wait to see how that all plays out in the next few weeks, of course, on uh, WandaVision as we get closer and closer to the series finale next week. Like I said, only two episodes left. But overall, good episode. And I like, I'm like. i happy to see that Monica has her powers. Of course, this will all tie into 
um, Captain Marvel 2 as well. And we'll see how things uh, play out now in the MCU moving forward. And hopefully this will give us insight into how Doctor Strange 2 will be. As well as maybe Spider-Man, um, the third Spider-Man film, which we now know what it will be called. Uh, but that's it for TV. Um, with it being the end of February, I want to talk a little bit about what's coming to streaming services next month. Uh, as we do at the end of every month, usually. Of course, this is not a comprehensive list. This is a things I think you guys might be interested in. But coming to Netflix next month is a new documentary about uh, Biggie Smalls called Biggie, I Got a Story to Tell. That will drop March 1st. Uh, I Am Legend is coming to the platform next month. Killing Gunther, which is the movie made by Taron Killiam, uh, which also stars Arnold Schwarzenegger. Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, a great Jack Black film. Uh, Pacific Rim, The Black, which is a new Pacific Rim anime series uh, that will premiere next month. I didn't realize it was coming that soon. Uh, and then Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. I know a lot of you, a lot of you people like that movie. I personally despise them. Uh, Disney Plus, of course. Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon premieres on March 5th with premiere access. So that's $30. Unless you have a movie theater open near you, you'll you'll probably be able to go see it in a theater and spend less money. Uh, but 30 bucks for a family to watch a movie ain't bad. Also, uh, of course, WandaVision finale next week. Uh, on March 12th, we get the making of WandaVision, like a symbol. It's like the, the making of the Mandalorian. And of course, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on March 19th. And the Mighty Ducks television show on March 26th. And then, uh, we also have a lot of cool stuff coming to HBO Max next month. Um, the original Blade movie from 1998. Uh, we will also get Bowfinger, a great... Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin film, if you've never seen it. The movie's hilarious. One of my favorites, actually. Uh, the Oceans trilogy will be heading over to HBO Max. It will be actually leaving uh, Netflix at the end of this month. Uh, Rocky 1 through 6. Speed, great Keanu Reeves movie. Beverly Hills Cop 1 through 3. Of course, Zack Snyder's The Justice League on March 18th, which I can't fucking wait for. That's going to be a fun weekend. Justice League and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then, of course, on March 31st is Godzilla vs. Kong, which will also be releasing in theaters. I really hope that theaters are open for me to be able to go see that, because as of right now, it doesn't look like it in my area. That's really upsetting to me, because that's a movie I would want to watch on IMAX and not really at home. But... Unfortunately, they're not open yet in San Diego County, so I will be waiting a little longer. Hopefully, they open in time to have it still release in theaters. Um, but that is it for what's new on streaming in March 2021. Now, let's talk about what's going on in Hollywood. What's going on in the movie business, huh, folks? Let, let's see. Well, we got uh, Danny Elfman confirmed that he will be scoring... Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness uh, with director Sam Raimi. They, of course, worked in the past together on the first two Spider-Man films back in the early 2000s. Uh, and then another Raimi stalwart, or I should really say Sam Raimi's like best friend from childhood, Bruce Campbell, will have a cameo in Doctor Strange 2. Bruce Campbell, of course, starred in Sam Raimi's Evil Dead movies, and then, of course, also had a small role in each of the Spider-Man films, that was actually supposed to turn into Mysterio if a Spider-Man 4 had been made back then. Um, but he posted on Twitter he was in town to film a scene. 
Um, also, we got our first new casting announcement for the Flash movie, which, of course, we already knew Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck were returning as Batman, each of their Batman, respectively. Um, but Supergirl is being added to the fray. Uh, Sasha Kale, Kale, I don't know how to say her last name. It might even be Sasha Kaye. It's two L's. Uh, will be has been cast as Supergirl for the Flash movie. Currently, she is known for having a role on The Young and the Restless. And she definitely doesn't look like your typical Supergirl. She actually has dark brown hair, or black hair even, as opposed to the normal Supergirl who has blonde hair. So we might be looking at an alternate uh, dimension reality Supergirl here. Um, also, contrary to rumors floating around, the Fantastic Four film has not begun filming. Uh, the John Watts-directed film is still looking for writers currently. And of course, John Watts is just wrapping up on on Spider-Man 3, um, which we'll actually just, we'll talk about now. So Spider-Man 3, uh, last few days have been following social media. Tom Holland, Zendaya, and um, Jacob Badalan, the one who plays Ned in, in the Spider-Man movies, have each tweeted out a screenshot of a scene from the movie and potentially what the third Spider-Man film would be called. Of course, this ties into the fact that Tom Holland has spilled secrets so many times in the past about Marvel movies. And first off, the titles were hilarious. Um, Jacob, uh, uh, Tom Holland tweeted out it would be called Spider-Man Phone Home. Jacob Badalon tweeted out that it would be Spider-Man Home Wrecker. Zendaya tweeted out that it would be Spider-Man Home Slice. But then today, John Watts tweeted out a little teaser with the three of them walking out of his office in like a production studio and talking about what the title would be called. And they walk by a whiteboard with all the different title ideas. But now we know that it will be called Spider-Man No Way Home. And it will be in theaters only this December. Um, but yeah, No Way Home. So it'll be interesting how that plays into things. and Because of course the titles have always played into what was going on. You know, Homecoming was about... Um, Spider-Man really coming home to, to your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and, of course, the homecoming dance. Then, of course, Far From Home, where Spider-Man was in Europe. And I'm wondering now what No Way Home will be and how that ties into things. So, is he stuck somewhere? Uh, now his secret's out, of course, at the end of Far From Home. We had Joe jo J. Jonah Jameson expose him as Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Um, will he be stuck somewhere? Will he be in the multiverse, right? Oh my god. Oh my god, this explains it everything so much. The the returning villains and characters aren't coming to the MCU. Peter is in those other universes and he's trying to find his way home. Mark my words, people, that's what the story's gonna be. So circle back to this episode, favorite it, bookmark it, whatever. I'm calling it now. That's what it is. <laughs> but <laughs> probably not. Let's talk about DC here a second now. So we talked about Supergirl. Um, also announced, we have a director for the Blue Beetle movie that is still coming. And that's going to actually begin filming this this year. So Blue Beetle will be begin filming later this year. It will be directed by Angel Manuel Soto, or Angel Manuel Soto. It's probably Angel, if, if we're being honest here. He's a Puerto Rican director. Um, he said he's really excited to be directing the first Latino DC film and it's great to have a Latino directing it as well and this film will be focusing on Jaime Reyes the third Blue Beetle if I'm not mistaken who was introduced in 2006 and if you're familiar with the Young Justice comic uh, show 
you will know who Jaime is because it has to do with his scarab is a little different, or his powers as the Blue Beetle is a little different than Ted Cord and um, shit. Who's the second Blue Beetle? Ted Cord is the original. Anyway, uh, his powers are are related more to like alien technology that clamps onto his back that gives him the blue the Blue Beetle powers, as opposed to Ted Cord in the original the other Blue Beetles who, like, created the technology themselves. Um, we also got word that J- uh, James Gunn has been discussing the future of Harley Quinn with Margot Robbie. Unfortunately, no no, anything to announce just yet, of course, other than the fact that she'll be returning in The Suicide Squad, which premieres this year in both theaters and on HBO Max. Uh, and then we got some Zack Snyder's Justice League news. So uh, this was an article with Variety, and it turns out Zack Snyder is not being paid for Justice League because um, he used that as a bargaining chip to get a little bit more creative control because Warner Brothers was just going to release it in its uncut form, like without anything, like in black and white, without any special effects, and people are like, well, fuck that. And then it also turned out that Deborah Snyder and Christopher Nolan had seen the film in a pre-screener um, before it was released, after Joss Whedon had, had done his work, and they both agreed that Zack should not watch the film because it would break his heart because it was not good. Even Christopher Nolan was like, yeah. So Zack Snyder said... Because remember, he left the project after his, his, his daughter had passed away. And uh, he said, quote, They came and they just said, you can never see that movie. <laughs> Unquote. And he still has never seen the Joss Whedon cut, which I'm sure we should be happy that he's never seen it. Because he probably would have been so mad. And uh, in returns of not getting paid, he said, quote, I didn't want it to be beholden to anyone and it allowed me to keep my negotiating powers with these people pretty strong, un- unquote. So that that's a, a, a good thing to hear from that, from that. But we also found out that he had pitched an idea where Bruce and Lois had a romance plot in the film. And that's not out of the realm of possibility. There's been stories where, where Bruce will flirt with Lois in continuities where she's not married to, to Clark. Uh, it never made it into the film, but uh, he had said, quote, The intention was that Bruce fell in love with Lois and then realized that the only way to save the world was to bring Superman back to life. We had this beautiful speech where Bruce said to Alfred, I never had a life outside the cave. I never imagined a world for me beyond this. But this woman makes me think that if I can get this group of gods together, then my job is done. I can quit. I can stop, unquote. Of course, it was axed. Um... Which is fine, but, um, and he, he talked about working under John Berg and, and of course, Jeff Johns, who had been in control of DC Films at the time, and of course things changed after his daughter died, then Joss Whedon took over, and then of course we had whatever it was that was released in theaters, which then this other quote came out of the Vanity Fair article. But first, I want to revisit that thing about them releasing it in just, like, black and white. And, of course, Zach said, quote, that's a no. That's a hard no, quote. And, quote, and then, and they're like, but why? You can just put up the rough cut. 
unquote. He said, quote, I go, here's why. Three reasons. One, you get the internet off your back, which is probably your main reason for wanting to do this. Two, you get to feel vindicated for making things right, I guess, on some level. And then three, you get a shitty version of the movie that you can point to, point at and go, see, it's not good. It's not that good anyway. So maybe I was right. I was like, no chance. I would rather just have the Snyder Cut be a mythical unicorn for all time, unquote. So I, I like that from Zach, right? He's like, either let me finish it or fuck off and die, right? Like in so many words. Um, also about the the other, the, the quote, the stuff about Lois. And then I'm, I'm looking for this other quote. It's from a, um, a, a um, quote from a... Ah, shit. It's from a Warner Brothers executive. Hold on, I'm going to find it because it's hilarious. Well, anyway, here's the quote. It said, quote, Nobody wanted to admit what a piece of shit it was in regards to the Joss Whedon cut. Like, (laughs) what? So WB executives watched the film in a screener and realized it was crap and still put it out anyway. And maybe that's why they they ended up doing the Snyder cut. And this is all from the variety article. So they also, Zack Snyder also said that there's a, um, like a mind blowing cameo at the end of the film. There are some rumors floating around about what it is. And they said it's confirmed, but sorry, the article was with vanity fair. Um, but um, I, I need to find it because it, it, it just, it, it sums up everything that people hated about the movie, right? And it, it's, it's perfect. Okay, so this is a quote from the Vanity Fair article. So, this is a, from a WB exec who didn't give a name, but he said, when we got to see what Joss actually did, it was stupefying. The robber on the roof, so goofy and awful. The Russian family, so useless and pointless. Everyone knew it. It was so awkward because nobody wanted to admit what a piece of shit it was, unquote. Like, they, 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 I really, really hope that the, the Snyder cut, the Snyder release, just Jack Snyder's Justice League is, is able to finally put what Zack wanted and prove that this movie was good and not crap and whatever Weed Wedden tried to, to do. Whedon, whatever, I don't care, I don't know fucking Joss, how do you say his fucking last name, I don't give a shit about that guy, guy's an asshole, as we've all come to find out, but I just, it, it's, I can't wait to see the movie, I know it's four hours, I know that's long, I know that's a lot to ask for people to watch, there will be a ten minute intermission, which, again, a lot of people are going to scoff at that, right, but it it's, who knows it might be good and and a lot of people might finally realize that it was a way better movie than it was given the chance to be because of the studio meddling and Joss Whedon coming in and putting his brand of shit and let's be honest right Age of Ultron was not a great Avengers movie okay we can all admit Age of Ultron was a low point in the MCU but let let's talk about other brighter things just that quote resonates with me so much we all couldn't admit that it was a piece of shit 
Jesus, people. Anyway, anyway, the Mortal Kombat trailer released last week. And of course, we know that's dropping day and date in April on, on HBO Max and, of course, in theaters. But the trailer is the Red Band trailer. And it's got blood and gore and guts and fatalities. It's got to get over here. Oh my god, it looks so fucking cool. It It is doing Mortal Kombat justice by being rated R, by showing fatalities, by showing blood. Uh, there's a scene that shows Sub-Zero like freezing Jax's arms and like exploding them. There's It shows uh, Scorpion throwing his spear like through someone's head. It's got... Uh, it's got Goro, it's got uh, Reptile, it's got Kano cussing, it's got like, oh my god, it looks so fucking cool, I am so happy to see this movie. Uh, unfortunately, there's no Johnny Cage, which, that's eh, understandable, but then they, they throw in the old Mortal Kombat song too at the end that to, to kind of build stuff up, the dun 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 dun. Oh god, it's gonna be so good. There's there's a, a Shao Kahn T no not Shao Kahn. Um there's just a lot of references to the game and the lore. And go watch it for yourself if you haven't seen it, because it looks great. And then final bit of news today. This came out today. Henry Cavill posted a picture on I think Instagram. And it was so he's he's Doing stuff for The Witcher, right? It looks like he's in a um, a makeup chair getting stuff done. Yeah, so it was on Instagram. And he, he put secret project or just a handful of paper with random words on it. Guess you'll have to wait and see. Happy hump day, all. And it shows the picture of what looks like a script. And it they're, they're blurred out, the words on this paper. And there's actually a... Um, a program that will unblur the, the, the words. And these are words that were, were, were pulled out. Cerberus, Talizora, and Geth. And if you don't know what that is, those are all things from Mass Effect. Cerberus, of course, is the organization that revives Shepard. Talizora, of course, is one of your main characters and, and team members. And Geth, of course are the primary antagonists in the first game. So this is potential work on a Mass Effect project with Henry Cavill. So I'm wondering what might be going on here. Um, Fans were able to realize that it came right from the Mass Effect 3 Wikipedia page, that it would be, quote, Following the events on Tachanka and a failed coup by Cerberus to take over the Citadel, the Quarians offer their support of the Alliance to the Alliance if Shepard helps them reclaim their homeworld, Renok, from the Geth. Uh, it also says, assisted by a Quarian, either Talizora or Admiral Darogen, Shepard boards a Geth dreadnought and rescues a captive Geth unit, either Legion or a facsimile, occupied by a Geth virtual intelligence, then disables the Reaper control signal over the Geth, unquote. So we don't know if this is a movie, we don't know if this is a TV show, but it looks like if Henry Cavill is going to play Commander Shepard, I'm all fucking in, folks. You, you, you've got me hook, line, sinker, sold. Like, I'm, like, no question, no doubt about it. 
That would be fucking epic, though. But that is where I will leave you today. But that that is it today, folks. Like I said, we had a long episode today. It's a nice one to cap off February. Um, as always, check out nixnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser. Or if you prefer, you can find links to our Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast pages. Also, while you're there, make sure to like, subscribe, share, click, focus, whatever you guys do. Um, also, check out our social media tab where you can see links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages where we post all the memes. And if you want, you can fo- follow us individually. If you don't use all the platforms, just search Nixner News. Again, that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you guys for listening. As always, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. I will see you in March, and I will catch you on the flip side.